Good idea, Shaggy. We'll be here when they scare him up through the trap door. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm just full of good ideas like that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just go get us some more logs for the fire so we can see him good when he gets here. If the ghost shows up, hold him till I get back. Oh. Zoinks! Like, what if he meets the ghost out there? Yeah. Come to think of it, the ghost is already a ghost. What more could Scrappy do to him? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Well, would you look at that? It's another episode of Heavy Metal, a podcast about Scooby-Doo. I'm your host, Ethan Brundine, and each week, myself and a guest will take you through a mystery from somewhere in the vast history of the greatest cartoon of all time. Um, My guest this week is William Taylor, returning to the show, uh, known in some circles of Twitter as The Narrator. And the episode that we are going to be discussing today is Scooby and Scrappy-Doo, Season 1, Episode 13, Rocky Mountain. Yay! I definitely, when I was a kid, thought that this was um, called Rocky Mountain. Yee! I mean, Yee. it's it's a very odd pun. Like, it takes a bit of... Very odd. Yeah. It takes a bit to really understand what it's doing, but yeah. you know, it was. I thought it was promising enough from just seeing the title that you know I thought this could be good. Absolutely. We, we should. I mean, um, we should say how I came to this. Like my yes. last episode, we did this from a random number generator first. Last episode, another one with a crazy pun title, Toy Scary Boo. Yeah, I, I admit, are, are all the Scooby-Doo titles like this? Or is it? Or do I just no. keep picking the weird ones? Okay. You've gotten the most, some of the most bizarre titles so far. <laughs> um, this one particularly is or, uh, uh, the best puns are stretch to make it work, right? Like, y- yeah. That's how, this is the best kind of pun. Um, yes, this is Rocky Mountain Yay. Um, from Scooby and Scrappy-Doo. Uh, like we said, uh, randomly generated. Uh, I generated a number for which series we would discuss, and you generated the episode. Um, did you... Is this the first episode of Scooby and Scrappy-Doo that you have seen, to your knowledge? I believe so. Generally, I don't think I've watched many, if honestly all that many at all of the older cartoons generally because the one we did last time the 2000 scooby-doo was the one mm-hmm. that i watched i really remember watching i don't remember like going on a cartoon network and like watching the old ones sure sure uh yeah i mean i guess you were I was going to say you were a normal kid because you weren't watching Boomerang, but knowing you, who knows what you were watching when you were, like, eight. It could have been some sort of... Like, I don't... Like, you weren't watching, uh... You know, 
um, Ed, Ed, and Eddie, right? You were watching like, like the Colbert Report or whatever. <laughs> I mean, I unfortunately I do think you were correct there. You 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 really <laughs> nailed me to the ground. It's it's what I love about you, uh, narrator, is that you uh, you you have an eclectic media um, relationship with media, much the same way that I do. It's just that mine is about um, bad uh, Scooby-Doo cartoons from the, the 70s. <laughs> um, uh, and yours is about, who knows? <laughs> um, this one is from the 70s. It just barely makes it in. Uh, it's from, it premiered December 15th, 1979. Where were you then? Oh, uh, nowhere. <laughs> yeah, me neither. Not, not even close to born. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so Scooby and Scrappy-Doo. Do you have any relationship to Scrappy-Doo um, that, at all? Yeah, that's really what I want to talk about because I think on reflection that my only exposure to Scrappy-Doo, aside from people talking about him, is the... 2002 movie great yes yes um let's talk about that uh a famous appearance by scrappy-doo um uh one that is inarguably a character assassination to the greatest degree because he has not returned since then (laughs) it was fully enough to completely tarnish him in the in the eyes of um the public simply because uh james gunn has a very bizarre vendetta against scrappy Dude. i don't um, think it's bizarre based solely based <laughs> on this because he fucking sucks <laughs> i'm sorry sorry to any scrappy do heads listening but he, he is this is he is awful oh my god okay good i'm I'm happy to hear this energy because Scrappy-Doo has been underrepresented on this show so far um, and mostly has been defended. Um, so I'm happy to hear from somebody who is fully on, on team Scrappy sucks and is a bad uh, addition to the formula. Because um, I do not like Scrappy-Doo. Um, I don't necessarily think that he deserves as much vitriol as people give him. Um, I think that much of the problems with Scrappy-Doo are just generally problems with the show during this era, but he certainly is not helping things. He is very annoying, and I don't like him. No, he has, <laughs> he has one bit, which is that mm-hmm. he thinks he's brave, but he's not, which is not funny the first time and is not funny the 80th time in this episode alone. Wow, wow. I mean, it could be funny once. Maybe, you know? Yeah. Like, you can do the bit once, and it, it could be funny. But it is simply not an interesting enough bit to uh, maintain an entire series starring you. Um, because, like, Shaggy and Scooby <clears throat> are the bit makers. You know, they do, they're the comedic force of the show. And they admittedly ha- do the same bits over and over again, but they have like four or five bits they do, and they can plug and play them into the episode whenever they uh, want, as opposed to just being limited to one specific thing. You know, like if um, if it was just that Scooby ate Scooby snack, 
That was the only thing. And they did, and then he ate Scooby snacks, like, four times an episode. That would not be sustainable. Honestly, like I'd, I'd say it's more than four. I'd say it's at least ten. Honestly, sure. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I think that they're they have they have quite the comedic repertoire in there. You know, they got a whole steamer trunk full of full of things no, they can do. Oh no, versus yeah. I, I meant more versus scrappy. Yeah, more. I'm more meant that like four an episode is lowballing it if oh, we're comparing it to Scrappy, which is like yeah, I said, yeah. like so much, so much. Every line that he has. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so you're so you're not a Scrappy Doo fan at all. Based on this, yeah. Based on this episode, I would say an easy no. I don't. I have not. Again, I've not seen any other episodes of this specific scooby-doo series so well i mean i would say that he only gets worse oh wow <laughs> so the thing ab- about scooby and scrappy-doo so this is scooby and scrappy-doo series one okay so there were at least three different shows all under the scooby and scrappy-doo umbrella um and, and the way i like to think of it is like how you have like like with comic books, right? Say you have you're reading, um, like X Men, and then eventually they reboot the X Men under a new like creative team and new numbering or whatever. But it's still just called X Men, right? So then that would be like X Men Volume Two or something, right? Um, so Scooby and Scrappy Doo. This is the first series of Scooby and Scrappy Doo. So like it is. 22 minute episodes with the whole gang except scrappy is here now and they're solving mysteries right and then after this they have uh the second series which is um a series of shorts packaged together um in which it is just scooby shaggy and and scrappy and they ditch the gang and they ditch the mysteries um so then it is literally only bits oh my god is, that is the absolute bottom of the barrel. And then they come back um, with the new Scooby and Scrappy-Doo show, which is, what if we did mysteries again, and just to throw them a bone, we'll bring Daphne back. But that's as much as they do. Daphne, there. but um, not but Velma? Yeah, just Daphne. Fred and, Fred and Velma are absent. Um, that's that. fucked up. <laughs> this is God. <laughs> Yes, it is. It, it's a, not a great era of Scooby-Doo, without question. And this is really the beginning of the end, um, or not the end, obviously, because it got going. But this is the beginning of the dark period for um, Scooby-Doo in general. The '80s were a bad time for them. Um, but uh, yeah, you get. Uh, I think really maybe some of the worst the animation has ever been in the history of the show. Like I was watching this and it would move like once a second or something like that during the dialogue scenes. I mean, just... they do a lot of wide shots, so you don't really need to animate the faces moving. I noticed that. Yeah. And the the yeah, scenes where they're skiing, the backgrounds don't really make any sense relative to what snow looks like. It's just, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I do kind of like the backgrounds that are a little abstract, I guess. But uh, yes, the, the any time there there's a group like discussing something, it's just a wide shot of them, uh, um, like far away, completely stationary, and their mouths 
maybe move a little bit. I won't say. Um, we, we'll get but, to it. There is one scene that I think is like a good use of animation. I don't know if... Yes. Okay, so I think I we think, have... I think I probably thought the same thing. Okay, same okay. Episode. So we'll, we'll... Same bit in the episode. Yes. So we'll um, get to so that. So we'll get there. Okay. Um, I guess we might as well... I mean, what else are we going to talk about other than Rocky Mountain Yai? I mean, um, yes. Yeah. Let's, let's get into this. Uh, so this is a snow episode. We've we've talked to about a, few, a lot... Of, weirdly, a lot of snow episodes on... Um, heavy metal so far for the few amount of this Scooby-Doo oeuvre that we've discussed. Um, but uh, it takes place in, believe it or not, a ski lodge, um, another <laughs> common uh, location for Scooby-Doo. Um, this is at Pratt's Peak, which would, I guess, be somewhere in the Rocky Mountains if we are to go off of the title of this episode. I mean, um, I, I truly do not believe they put any more thought into the title other than that it's like involves snowy mountains i do not think this is actually said in the rocky mountains it could be anywhere yeah um it's definitely in the united states we know that yes Um, because it is about the sins of the american frontier i guess yes exactly It, it is the uh this is without question the um power of the dog of scooby doo episodes um which is, which the, I mean, that that's a title they could have used as well uh, to talk about Scrappy-Doo. Yeah, the book was out by that point, so they could have. Exactly, easy, easy. Um, but yeah, so there's just, there's some guys that are up on, on this mountain, and then the snow kind of gets brushed away, and all of a sudden, it's the ghost of Jeremiah Pratt. Let's talk about Jeremiah Pratt, shall we? Uh, how do you feel about this? guy because he's literally just a guy <laughs> um as a scooby-doo villain i mean the common thing in this episode apparently is just people with very limited bits doing that bit mm-hmm. a lot and i think he falls mm-hmm. into this he's just like get off my mountain i'm gonna get you it's not very yeah, d- interesting do... no <laughs> um i do like the talk at least like he he has some personality more than just like moaning or something um he has a crazy southern accent to him uh which is misguided i would say (laughs) especially (laughs) if this is actually said in the rocky mountains yeah yeah he's just sort of like and it's not good it's just like get off my mountain like they sort of like he's it's not consistent he just sort of throws it in with every few words to make it sound like he could be southern <laughs> um, uh which is fun um i will say i mean like like the ghost of a mountain man is kind of a fun idea you know like they they it's original you know they've done lots of mummies and vampires and stuff but they've never done another jeremiah pratt that i can think of <laughs> um this is his only appearance um but it is also kind of diminishing returns from the minor 49er, I would say. Uh, just sort of that idea again. Um, yeah, he literally is just like a guy. Uh, just a man with some white skin and like a big bushy beard. Yeah. Um, he's not even like glowing or like like see-through like a ghost like, or something. May- he's just a guy. Maybe he's like a little blue, but that's about it. Yeah, yeah. 
yeah, that's that's all we get. Um, so yeah, that's our very brief cold open uh, before we cut back to the rest of the gang who are um, rolling in. I love that the winter outfits stay consistent throughout the whole series um they're like variant costumes i guess um like in every series whenever they have a winter episode they basically wear the same clothes which is fun um i get nostalgic seeing them um even if this episode uh unfortunately features marla frumpkin as Velma, who is without question the worst Velma in the, the history of the cartoon. The, vo- the voice acting, well, I shouldn't say that. I think the like big name people like Casey Kasem, I think they yeah. do well, but the side yeah. voice actors, I think, are uniformly yeah. very bad. Yes, yes. Um, Frumpkin takes over halfway through uh, Scrappy-Doo from Pat Stevens, who's my second favorite Velma, um, and she is just terrible. She She's really awful at reading her lines. Um, like, she doesn't have any... Not only does she, like, not do any, like, characterization at all, she doesn't sound like Velma, she doesn't... Uh, but she also just, like, doesn't read the lines with any... Um, any like 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 she's not making any choices you know what i mean like it's not a performance she's literally just reading the yeah it's it's a cold it's like, read more than it is a performance yeah. which i could believe you know it's probably very likely that a they like, did all read. this in a week <laughs> there you go yeah but she's also voicing the uh the caretaker of the lodge mrs winters who's another terrible performance so um it's just she's not she's not great i'll be honest i i i'm she may be a lovely woman in real life um but i am never excited to hear her velma dinkley um which is sad because i love the character of velma um i i think this episode yeah, yeah so- this episode does velma and all of the non scooby and shaggy members of the mystery team very badly i'd say yeah, I mean that is the whole thing where it's like um like they decided that they thought that that those three were boring and that they were tired of writing them and and it, instead of taking what they should have done which is okay, if these characters are boring, let's find a way to make them more interesting, like I don't know, maybe give them a personality or something. Um but instead they decided no, we'll just cut them completely out of the show, which is what happens next. <laughs> yeah, so. they, they definitely feel like they're out the door, halfway out the door by this point. Just like yeah, the yeah. the mystery it's, stuff in this episode is insultingly half-assed. Yeah. Even it's like, even it's, for a kids show, this is mm-hmm. just like so nobody cared to like put mm-hmm. any effort into seeing them actually solve a mystery because two of them yeah. don't do fucking anything in this episode no. like no. literally nothing <laughs> um so yeah we're here at this uh we're here at this ski lodge scrappy's here he's really excited to go skiing with his his buddy um uncle scooby um did you know that by the way about scrappy dude that he is scooby's nephew i um, i think i'd heard that before but i mean i wasn't sure if that was uh that was like 
common knowledge or not, if that's just something that I take for granted. And that's one of those classic things where it's like, well, it can't be his son, you know? Like, we can't, like, Donald Duck can't have three sons, but he can have three nephews. Um, and same thing goes with Scooby-Doo. Because um, if you wanted him to have a son, he'd have to have a wife. And we can't have that. I mean, maybe it could be uh, like a Beavis's butthead son thing, you know? Right, yeah. That's possible. <laughs> um, yeah, then it's... They, they go to the, the lodge, and there's this old woman, Mrs. Winters, who uh, tells them, you know, they should not be here. There's something bad going on. And uh, that, you know, and then she's also got an, oh, another suspect with her who's the lodge owner, Noah Reed, who's like, this old lady's crazy. This place is super chill. Come on. It's all good. Don't worry about us. Um, so, so we've we do have multiple suspects at least, versus you know, like what happens sometimes in old Scooby Doo, which is where we meet a single person. Um, so it's nice to have a few. Um, I mean, in theory, I would say it's good, but when there's so little effort put into actually like showing these people then it doesn't yeah, they, it doesn't matter it just you know there's going to be one of these three people and you don't give a shit which one of them it is which is a problem yeah they don't have any anything to them at all <laughs> nothing other than like mrs winters this is kind of superstitious person i guess um yeah she's the the semi-obvious red herring and even she's just like nothing so yeah it, it, it is it's a problem because she's an old woman and, you know, like, old women can't dress up as Jeremiah Pratt's. That can never be. So it would have been fun if it was her, you know, like if that was a further red herring is that she's an old lady. But um, that is not the case of what happens here. Um, and, uh, yeah, so then you have Noah Pratt, or sorry, not Noah Pratt. That would be dramatic if it was... Pratt. No, it's Noah Reed, and he's explaining to them the story of Jeremiah Pratt, who was this old mountain man who died in 1869. Um, he was trying to forward a path through Pratt's Peak and died in an avalanche and was never seen again. Um, up until very recently, where he was seen as a ghost. Um... You know, like, frontier stories are kind of interesting. They're fun, right? You know, you have your, like, um, like, The Revenant or whatever, you know? like. I mean, The Revenant, interesting. The, yeah, The Revenant is more fun than this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, if Tom Hardy yeah. came into this doing what he's doing in The Revenant, then this would be, like, that would be, like, a full star rating upgrade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that would be good. Hugh, but it should have been just been the ghost of Hugh Glass, you know, a real person, a real scary person. That would be really good. Or Jeremiah Johnson, you know. Yeah, then they can do the Zach Galifianakis gif. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) It does look like Zach Galifianakis. I've never thought about that until right now, but I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, Wow. What a concept. We get introduced to our third suspect, who is William Henry Pratt. Uh, do you know who the real William Henry Pratt is, narrator? 
Is there a real one? Yes, it is inexplicably a reference because that is the real name of a uh, famous actor of the silver screen, Boris Karloff. Um, hmm. Judging by the fact that this is like Scooby-Doo, it's all about monsters, I can't imagine that that would not be a reference, even though it doesn't make any like sense in the context of this episode. You know, like if they were doing like a Frankenstein episode or something like that, it might be more fun yeah but i mean whatever i'll take it i guess i mean Um, it's it's a better it's wittier than any other thing in this episode so you know yeah exactly just a very bizarre reference like like thought being put into what is otherwise an extraordinarily lazy episode of television um i don't know i don't know just a weird weird little fact there uh, yeah, he's a ski instructor. That's his whole thing, is that he uh, is a ski instructor. He has no personality at all. Does he um, have, like, is he in, like, one scene? Maybe two for, like, a second before Yeah, that, yeah. Before he comes yeah. back at the end. It's... Yep. Yep, he's a ski instructor. Okay, <laughs> that's it. yeah. That's okay. all you get. Uh, um, so the gang get, get uh, divvied up to their rooms. Apparently it's usually peak season for... Pratt's Peak Lodge, but um, no one's around because they've all been scared away by this ghost. So the gang... So even though the hotel's basically empty, the gang each get... They only get three rooms. Um, you know, Shaggy shares a room with the dogs, <laughs> and then Frank gets a room, and uh, the girls get a room together. Um, just classic stuff. Usually Shaggy and, and Fred share a room together, so it's funny that Fred gets a room all by himself, and then Shaggy just is stuck with surely the most annoying roommates of all time. <laughs> you know, like, can you imagine? Um, like, ugh. Gosh. Terrible. Um, so yeah, they're like looking around in their room, and then there's this really funny bit where they open the curtains, and then there's William Henry Pratt, or sorry, no, Jeremiah Pratt on the outside of their balcony. He's in there in the room. Ah, uh, scary. Except he doesn't move. He's sort of just they just drew him standing there. <sighs> this is the problem. Like, like nothing is actually. Things that should be bits aren't even bits. You know what I mean? Like, in a normal Scooby-Doo episode, this would be, like, 30 seconds. And it would be funny. They'd have some, Shaggy would have some funny lines. I mean, um, I, I'll, there's, like, one semi-funny line, which is mostly, I think, in Casey Kasem's delivery, which is... Yeah, yeah where he, he says he's got to complain to the manager or whatever. Yeah, the ghost is, is ghost blocking his view. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That, that's... Which is fun. That's decent. I think the, yeah. any good thing about this episode, everything that is like semi decent is because of Casey Kasem, and the rest is just everybody else phoned it in. Yeah, I mean he's a consummate professional. He's really good at his job. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, then freaking Scrappy Doo is gonna run in and save the day. Uh, you know, does the whole da 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 thing, and then he gets. Wrapped up in the in the window blinds, <laughs> and great, really funny. <laughs> um, if you oh well, if you laughed at that narrative, <laughs> you'll laugh more 
the next time he does something. Yeah. But this is one of the things where like the animation just really uh, faults the like shorts the episode because like this could be like if it was funny, you know, like if it was drawn funny, if it had funny timing or something, and wasn't just like a couple frames of him spinning around, that it could be better. But um, no, not the case. So they go to the girls' room and they're like, "Hey, there's a there's a ghost on our balcony." And they're like, "What are you talking about?" And then they all go out onto the balcony. And for some reason, Shaggy then cha- has changed out of his winter, like usual winter getup. Like he's ditched his coat, so now he's just wearing like this long sleeve shirt. That's the exact same color as his pants, which are basically the same color as his shoes. Uh, so he kind of just looks like a like a corn dog. <laughs> <laughs> It's it's a weird weird get up for sure. Um, is it a turtleneck or am I? Is that it's his, a turtleneck? Okay, that's what I thought. It's a turtleneck. Yeah, yeah. Which is a, a, a strong strong look. Um, yes, yeah, so they go out on the balcony and then the ghost of Jeremiah Pratt causes an avalanche, which is suspicious. I've already yes. forgotten most of what's happened in this episode. I'm not gonna lie. I did not watch it no, yeah. that long ago either. No, I watched it right before. I literally am, am looking at it right now. Like I'm, I'm, I'm flipping through it because I did take notes, but I was so, I, I was getting nothing from it at all. <laughs> so they, uh, they, yeah. So they're gonna investigate, um, but uh, they decide to split up. But instead of like your usual thing, this is a, this is a fundamental problem. Okay, with Shaggy or uh, with. Scrappy and Scooby-Doo, right? Where in your usual episode of Scooby-Doo, what would happen now is that they're going to investigate. They're going to split up. Shaggy and Scooby are supposed to go looking for clues, but they'll get distracted. Maybe they'll find a kitchen or something, and then they'll find the monster and do a bit. You know, maybe they'll dress up or something, right? Like, that's the usual formula. That's what would happen. What instead happens is the the trio, you know, Fred, Daphne, and Velma, they decide that they're going to go investigate and Shaggy and Scooby uh, decide that they are going to go skiing. And that's it. That's, the, that's what happens. They are just fully divorced from the actual mystery. They have no interest in it whatsoever. They're not included. They aren't even invited to be included. They just are leaving the, the, the rest of the story to go do bits. That's it. Um, it's a very... Which is, yeah, it's a very nuts and gum kind of storytelling. It's just... Because mm-hmm. the bits with... Scooby and Shaggy or exclusively that they're scared which is a which is like that's in the last episode I covered too but in this case it's just nothing else it's just they're scared or they're skiing and that yeah (laughs) that's not enough (laughs) yeah so they're gonna go skiing Scrappy kind of gives like a like an explanation where he says that it's that they can they can better catch the frozen ghost which sure whatever bud um but uh no it's really so that they could have a very long skiing sequence um where uh they accidentally they think they're gonna go down the bunny slope they don't they go down the bad slope i guess and then we have a great skiing sequence where they've just drawn a single literal single frame of the boys riding a ski and then they are moving the background behind them to make it look like they're skiing there is 
even whenever they're like and when they're supposed to be going dangerously they speed up the background that's as much as they have they've done for us here <laughs> uh which is great um what do you think of the skiing sequence uh i guess i think it's funny in theory when they run into the bear but I don't remember if it was actually funny when I watched it now. The bear bit is fun. Um, there's this crazy sequence where, sh- where Scrappy goes over like an ice bridge uh, that shatters after he crosses it. So then th- you think that the boys, like Shag- that Shaggy and Scooby are just going to go flying off the edge of the uh, cliff, but instead they keep going. Like their momentum carries them over the edge and they go through the snow. Um, and then the snow like fades away and all of a sudden there's a bear on, on Scooby's skis. Uh, his design's really funny. He looks like he's out of Yogi Bear or something. Um, weirdly, he's the most expressive (laughs) of the (laughs) characters in the episode. This bear that we see for 20 seconds. (laughs) Um, but that's it. He just is on there and then he gets knocked away. That's the whole bit. But it was brief respite because they actually like animated him and gave him some character animation which is more than we can say for everyone else in this um it's one of those things where like they have countless stills of the gang that they can just reuse you know like why why are they so stationary it's insane um like I don't know. It's just it's a it's a monumental level of laziness in this episode. I, I will. I, um, I, one other thought about the skiing sequence is that I hate the sound effects they used for the snow. It's not just it's. I don't even know how to describe it. It's like sucking noises for some reason. <laughs> it's it's disgusting. <laughs> snow doesn't sound like that. <laughs> it, um, again, yeah. It, all the sound effects, all the music is just recycled stuff that they've had before. Like, believe it or not, this was not live scored. You know, they did not. Oh, 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 we did not talk about the laugh track. We need to talk about the laugh track, which is... Yes, you must be unfamiliar with yes. laugh track in Scooby-Doo. Is, the, is, is this like a trope of early Scooby-Doo that it's all laugh tracked? Or is this... Yes, it's there okay. from the first episode. Okay. Here it's very half in, half out. Is it always like that, or is it? Th- it's really weird in this episode. Okay. It's almost like they couldn't figure out where the jokes were. Um, yeah, because uh, some is- some jokes do not get it, and others do, and then some non-jokes yeah. maybe get it too. Yeah. Um, also, it's mixed I, very badly. Like you can barely yeah. hear it. I get very nostalgic for the 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 voice track stuff but i do think that in this it, you, like you say it's almost like they are confused about whether or not they should have it like i don't think that it's in the next scrappy do series like when it's just the shorts i don't think that they have it there um but uh yeah i don't know usually it's fine because like shaggy will say a funny joke that's actually funny and then i mean the audience will laugh laugh Uh, tracks yeah laugh tracks only bother people when they're following things that aren't funny if they are funny then you're laughing along with them and that's cool yeah 
It is. It is. It does always make a bizarre reality of the episodes, though, because it's like, like what, what is this? What's going on? <laughs> you know, like like when it's in an actual cartoon, it is. It becomes very bizarre as opposed to like, like whether or not you believe something was filmed in front of people that were laughing. You know, like that. If it's real people, you can at least believe that someone was in the audience watching. You know, um, it'd be like if you if you were watching like a a single camera show like if in in like new girl or something they had a laugh track you know where there wouldn't have possibly be an audience watching it would it would take you out of it it would make it would confuse you um and that's kind of the case with scooby-doo but um generally i don't mind it i guess um then there's this crazy bit during the ski sequence where they go flying into a snowbank and come out the other side with Jeremiah Pratt, um, which means that he was just standing covered in like a ton of snow, like a literal metric ton of snow on top of him, <laughs> just just waiting, you know, just lying in wait uh, for this to happen. I guess um, it, there's there's no no feasible reason for him to be doing that (laughs) yeah especially Um, knowing that this is scooby-doo and he's gonna be unmasked as like a real person it makes no sense this does not make sense as a plan in any way because he he has no plan he's just he's just standing there waiting for something to happen that will eventually like get him what he wants yeah I mean, then there's a, there is a fun bit where, where Shaggy and Scooby start rolling down the hill and turn into a big snowball, which is always fun. And then they, like, Katamari him up into the ball. Um, that's fun, I guess. <laughs> you gotta take what you can get with this one. <laughs> yeah, like, that's the thing that happens in cartoons. That's, that's, that's refreshing. Uh, and then we cut to just, like, sucking the air out of a balloon, I guess, which is... Um, and what a balloon it is. <laughs> you know? But yeah, then like like the the rest of the gang went up the funicular up to the top of the peak where apparently Jeremiah Pratt's cabin has been this whole time undisturbed. Um doesn't look like it's a hundred years old when they go in there. Like I think there's like lights on. <laughs> but <laughs> they uh they do go into um into the Pratt cabin at the top of the hill uh, where um, like they say it's you know this has been hasn't been touched in a very long time and Daphne quickly like takes up the floorboards on accident and we find Jeremiah Pratt's diary which is very much intact for a hundred year old book um, would be not like no no deterioration no like water damage or anything from being in the floorboards of a cabin on top of a snowy mountain for a long time um it's totally fine except that there is no last entry in the diary it's been torn out but velma thinks that she can uh recover it because there is some indentations of the writing you know, left over on the page, like your um, Big Lebowski. Yes, I was gonna say the Big Lebowski. 
one of the funniest jokes in a very funny movie (laughs) when he's he's at the at the guy's house and and he's you know taking notes or whatever and 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 the big lebowski decides that he's gonna you know the dude he's going to finally do some detective work of his own you know he's gonna he's gonna do the whole pen to paper trick to see what he was writing and he finds out he's just drawing a guy with a <laughs> big penis <laughs> really good really funny bit yeah much funnier than anything that happens in this now the big lebowski i think could use a little bit of scrappy do energy to it um if if scrappy do energy the, or like literally have scrappy do in it well i mean like that would that would probably take me out of it because it'd be a talking dog but if there was like like if lebowski had a nephew you know uh who's full of scrappy energy you know he's he's like like because the dude is kind of a scooby-doo-esque figure you know like he doesn't want conflict he wants to to lounge around and be comfortable, right? I mean, that's... Uh, he's funny. Yeah, that's more shaggy than Scooby, especially with the pot use, obviously. Sure, sure, I guess. Fair enough, you know, but but, but Scrappy is, is regularly uh, haranguing Shaggy as well. Yeah. Right? Um, so if he had a little, a little nephew who's like, come on, come on, dude, we gotta get in there. Uncle Dude, we gotta... We gotta find out who's who cut off that girl's toe. If he if he had a little nephew, like a child who still spoke like a middle aged Jewish man, like Scrappy Doo does, then yeah, that would be good. Uh-huh. That would be really strong. This is just something for the Lebowski's to consider in their or the Lebowski's. <laughs> <laughs> this is something for the- John Turturro to consider in whatever other movie he makes about the Jesus. Yes, exactly. In the Jesus Rolls 2, they'll bring in a, a Scrappy-Doo analog um, to to make it... I mean, the Jesus is kind of a Scrappy-Doo figure, but, like, malevolent. <laughs> just, I just, just, I just realized we're, we're suggesting a child character in a movie about a child molester. <laughs> sure. I guess, I guess. Uh, maybe not in the Jesus rules, too. <laughs> um, let's, maybe they should not make that film. <laughs> really? Really? Uh, no. They should make Fading Gigolo, too. That's the one they gotta make. They gotta get Woody back for that one. There you go. There you go. Now you're talking. Now you're bringing that narrator energy. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm just avoiding talking about this i guess we can we can take a break and get back to rocky mountain yai because we're gonna play a little game how about that yes that sounds that? good play a little game this is called um this is called scooby or not scooby and the way this game works is each week i collect a series of titles some of which will be titles of an episode of scooby-doo and some of which will be titles of something else um you did not get to play this variation last time. Last time I did the G.I. Joe or Scooby-Doo villain. Um, so th- this is going to be a fresh experience for you. Okay. So, is it the title of Scooby-Doo? Keep in mind you have encountered some abnormal titles uh, in your experience on this show. So is it an episode of Scooby-Doo or in honor of William Henry Pratt 
Is it a movie starring Boris Karloff? That is the theme of this week's game. So a Scooby-Doo episode or a Boris Karloff movie. Okay. House of Frankenstein. I mean, Boris Karloff? <laughs> yes, yes, I was trying to trip you up, but yes, that is in fact uh, <laughs> the, the uh, fourth entry in the Frankenstein franchise. I've got um, synopses for all of these, of course. Uh, the plot of this one, which I've never seen, is an evil scientist and a hunchback escape from prison and encounter Dracula, the Wolfman, and Frankenstein's monster. So, so a, a scientist and a hunchback, but not Frankenstein. But not, the, not Igor and, and Dr. Frankenstein. Yeah, okay. That's very, Someone that, else, I guess. That's very odd. <laughs> I mean... I guess it could be them, uh, but I feel like they would. Why would you, you know, not name make them? That clear in the synopsis, yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, how about the ghost of the Red Baron? Uh, I think this is Scooby Doo. This is Scooby Doo. Uh, with the help of the Three Stooges, the gang try to wow. capture the ghost of the Red Baron, a long-dead World War One flying ace who is ruining the area's crops. You could have you could have rolled that one, narrator. You know, that would have been better, probably. <laughs> it could be. Uh, wouldn't get your hopes up though. <laughs> uh, the boogeyman will get you. I think that's Karloff, because I don't think Scooby-Doo episodes are generally that, I guess, antagonistic towards their audience. <laughs> this is, uh, yeah, this is a Karloff film. Uh, a young divorcee tries to convert a historic house into a hotel, despite its oddball inhabitants and dead bodies in the cellar. Um, seems like if there were dead bodies in the cellar, that should give you some pause. You, you have to call somebody about that, usually. Um... Like, you can't just keep going. <laughs> um, uh, Transylvania Twist. Scooby-Doo. This is a uh, late period, Karloff. This mm. is from the 80s. 80s? The nephew... Yeah, the 80s. <laughs> the nephew of a librarian must go collect a 200-year-old book, the Book of Ulthar, that should never have been checked out by the evil Count Orlock, because one of the spells in it could bring about the end of the world. How about that? Was Karloff alive in the 80s, or is this a different Karloff? Uh, I'm reasonably sure. I mean, I got it off of his letterbox page. I guess it could be archival footage? Um, but I don't think so. Let's see. Transylvania Twist. 1989. He cannot have been alive by then. He would have... Uh, Boris Karloff is credited as Man in Room in this film. Uh, let's see when he died. Died February 1969. Okay, okay, okay. This is interesting. This is interesting. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> We can keep talking about it. We can forget the episode and just talk about this. How could he be in a movie 20 years after his own death? Boris Karloff, Transylvania 
twist. I mean, my instinct is that this is like letterboxed vandalism, but why? Why this movie? Um, why, like, this? Let's see, let's see, let's see, let's see. Control F. Okay. At one point, Dexter looks into a room and meets Boris Karloff in a clip from the movie The Terror. So he is looking into a room and sees a clip from a movie that came out a long time before it came out. I believe that is the same Boris Karloff movie that Peter Bogdanovich uses in Targets. I have seen The Terror. Um, It's a Roger Corman film. Uh, Do not like it at all. Interesting. It's not good. And I usually am on the... the Karloff trade and I'm on the on the Corman train, but it is really dull and and, and bizarrely stars uh, Jack Nicholson <laughs> uh, from 1963. Uh, they're both in that, so just something to think about. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, I guess we'll get back to the game. Um, take as much time as we want on any of these to prevent us from going back to Rocky Mountain Yai. Um, Bedlam in the Big Top. This sounds like a Scooby-Doo. It's a Scooby-Doo. It's got that, that classic alliteration going for it. Um, the gang stumble upon a circus that is supposedly haunted by a ghost clown who hypnotizes people with a gold coin. Why couldn't I have gotten that one? <laughs> That's a great episode. It's a Scooby-Doo Where Are You episode. Um, very good stuff. And then we have... Uh, let's see here. Attack of the Headless Horror. This, I will go Karloff. This is another Scooby-Doo. Okay. This is Scooby-Doo Mystery Incorporated. Uh, oh. Attack of the Headless Horror with an exclamation point. Uh, after an explorer named Rick Spartan is cursed by a headless monster, the gang must help break the curse. That's a fun one. A really bizarre episode, but a fun one. The Night Ghoul of Wonderworld. That has to be Karloff. If it's not, I'm going to be so angry. This is an epi- This is the first ever episode, I believe, of Scooby and Scrappy Doo. Oh, come um, on! This fuck uh, Wonderworld, Scrappy. Wonderworld makes your dreams become reality, and for Velma, that would be solving a mystery with Sherlock Holmes. But does this fantasy become a real mystery when the royal crown jewels are stolen? Uh... Night Ghoul of Wonderworld bizarrely starts a weird tradition among Scooby-Doo of parodying slash parodying slash referencing Westworld, uh, the Michael Crichton novel, because uh, that one is where the, the, the plot of this episode is that they go to like a theme park run by robots that lets you fill out your fantasies, like Fantasy Camp or whatever, and I think that they reference that they there's also one for the wild west and then later on they just do westworld in another scrappy do episode and then they do westworld like two more times in different series it's really weird i don't i don't know why the writers were so obsessed with westworld like they never did a jurassic park like riff at all um but they've done westworld several times which is really weird I don't know what what's going on there. And Jeffrey Wright appears in all the Westworld episodes, correct? Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, yeah. 
Jeffrey Wright should do a Scooby Doo. That'd be good. He would be good. He'd be a good villain. I, um, I mean, he'd be an insanely obvious villain, but he would be good. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, they could find a way to do it, like Tim Curry in uh, in Witch's Ghost. It would be good. Or, like he can be um, obviously villainous, and there still be a actual like ghost flying around and stuff too. It would be good. Okay, one last one, narrator, uh, for this game. See, listen, listen hard, because this is a tricky one. Okay. The ghost in the invisible bikini. I mean, I, I think bikini is too risque for Scooby-Doo's target audience, so I'll go Karloff. This is a, a Karloff uh, from late in his career. Um, the, the Okay, so the name of the film is The Ghost in the Invisible Bikini. The synopsis is... A corpse has 24 hours to mastermind a good deed without leaving his crypt to go, quote, up there and have his youth restored. So, there's a ghost, no, a corpse, in a crypt, who's given a second chance at life if he can make a good deed happen, but he can't leave his crypt. That does not... And the that, name... No, you continue... And the name of the episode of the film is The Ghost in the Invisible Bikini. I have to guess that the ghost and the corpse are separate. Yeah, they must be. But I don't know how the ghost would play into this. And also, I don't know why you would make the premise of your movie that a corpse stays in their coffin the whole time. but has to do something like what why is that a rule that's just making your movie worse by overcomplicating it i it doesn't sound very good (laughs) um uh but i would be interested to see where the what what the good deed is that he comes up with (laughs) Like, like what could that what could that possibly be maybe it was maybe karloff is the corpse and he was, like, yeah, he was probably. close to death. It was like I, I could be it if I in the movie if I can lay down in every scene. <laughs> what, well, yeah, what if this is a game of death situation where they just shot his actual corpse and then put voiceover over it? <laughs> could be, could be. Well, that's all for Scooby or not Scooby narrator. You did very well. Um, which now means we have the joy of going back to this episode of Scooby and Scrappy-Doo. Um, so the gang, we cut back to the rest of the, the you know, the boys. They they have rolled down the hill and have landed on an uh, icy lake. They're like, you know, traveling on an ice flow. Um, but then also uh, Jeremiah Pratt is there too. He says in his his little southern accent there's uh there's enough meddling out of you or something like that is that the only yeah is that the only instance of meddling in this because i don't remember the ultimate definitely does not say it at the end okay that's what i was asking they don't always say it at the end but he definitely does not um which is funny that he uses it in a different context because usually the monsters can't talk so it's fun to get a little bit of color from him um very little 
yeah, yeah. Yeah. We we can't we can't be praising this for every little thing it doesn't completely <laughs> fuck up. <laughs> uh, you're right. I mean, I'll be honest. The episode's bad. It sucks. Um, then we have this uh, like Scrappy tries to punch him while he's on the flow. Then that does nothing even happens from that. Like there isn't like a funny bit where he like accidentally breaks the ice and they fall in the water. Nothing happens. It it's just like he's just like let me at him, let me at him. That's it. He's a nothing character, and this is a nothing episode. Yeah. Um, but they follow the flow of the ice to a frozen cave, um, which is a weird scene where they find this frozen cave, and then there's inexplicably a ladder, like a perfect ladder carved out of ice, <laughs> that they're like, well, look at that. Let's, let's get out of here. And then it leads um, directly into their cabin specifically the uh, is it velma and daphne's cabin or fred's cabin or oh no 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 no. this does not lead you to the uh the ski lodge this goes all the way up the mountain to the jeremiah pratt cabin oh i see okay i think at least no i I, I never say that they go to a different place and they both look the same i guess okay this this episode has leaked out of my ears in the (laughs) like few hours since i've watched it it's well i could be wrong like i'm saying like there's no continuity at all (laughs) i believe you which is more important than whether or not you're wrong i'm not going back to watch it and, and prove you're wrong fair enough uh so they yeah they go up and uh, and Velma has gotten a piece of charcoal that she's going to use to, uh, you know, do the rubbing trick. And she finds the last entry on the um, on the diary, which says that they, you know, when Jeremiah Pratt went missing in the in the snow, it was because he was guiding. Uh, he was going on an expedition uh, ordered by the government to guide some eagles over the pass. And they're like, what does this mean? And I'm also like, what does this mean? I'm, I'm also like, I don't care. <laughs> yes, fair enough. But this is like the cheapest way that you can tell a mystery story is they never let us figure out what it means on our own. They just explain it to us at the end of the episode. Yes. Um, like they never do any lay any groundwork for us to figure out what's actually going on. They just sort of come up with the concept of uh, clues, I guess, but don't actually like flesh them out or establish them in any way, which is lame. Yeah. Um, also, they don't actually explain why the last page of his journal is tor- torn out, like. I guess, no, because if it was, yeah, it's just like I guess maybe the ultimate villain tore it out to hide it, or maybe not. Yeah, if the culprit doesn't want it found, just that burn makes the sense, journal. I guess. But yeah, but if it was hidden in the floorboards of this cabin that's been undisturbed for a hundred years, then what? Yeah, <laughs> you know? it's just—it's like, <laughs> a very cheap way to not even kill that much time. Just like yeah, it just just, is, just delay the reveal a little longer. It's just to give the three of them something to do, I guess. But even then, it's not a lot. And this is really 
weird scene where, like we said, like like Shaggy and Scooby and Scrappy come up out of the floorboards. You know, now they're in the cabin, and um, they they are you know they're like what's up we just saw the ghost and we ran away and then the gang are like like, a ghost great let's go get him (laughs) like they go down the trap door and leaves like the boys behind they just go down that icy ladder again um which seems very precarious especially if it is climbing all the way through the entire mountain um would be really dangerous but yeah they just go running off back out of the episode um and Again, it's the thing where, like, why don't the rest, like, why don't Shaggy and Scooby go with them? I don't understand. Why do they have to be completely separate from the rest of the story? Like, uh, Scrappy wants to go, you know, and then Shaggy's like, eh, we'll ju- we're just going to wait here. Don't worry about it. We're going to wait here. It just is, it's lame. I mean, in this case, I guess Scrappy is sort of our surrogate or at demanding that the narrative be pushed forward in any way, and <laughs> Shaggy and Scooby do not listen to him, and yet he still is awful, so I don't even agree with him on this front. So it's really That's just true. a no-win situation here. If If the story pushes forward, it involves more action for Scrappy... And if it doesn't, yeah. it still involves more action for Scrappy. So it's just, it's really, it's really lose-lose. What's crazy is then Scrappy just leaves. Yeah. <laughs> he, just, he just walks out of the cabin. He's like, I guess I'm going to look for firewood. Um, and Shaggy and Scooby have this weird exchange where they're like, I mean, the ghost is already a ghost. What more could Scrappy do to him? Yeah, that's very, like, very a weird bit of pseudo-philosophy in yeah. what's otherwise like certainly not trying for that or really trying for anything at all yeah nothing nothing whatsoever um then again we have this like they keep having like bits that should be bits like bits that should be longer and funnier um but they're like are half done like there's this there's this whole section that should be funny where where scooby's you know he's playing lookout right and he goes to look through the door, and then Pratt is actually at the window. And you're like, okay, this could be a, a, a extended sequence that could be funny. You're like it'll it'll get heightened as he goes to different places, and they keep missing each other. But no, what happens instead is that Scoob just goes to the window, and then he the ghost just opens the door. <laughs> He's just like, hey, I'm here, <laughs> um, and then closes it again for some reason. It just it it's so weird. It's like literally just like writing things to happen to take up time rather than any like driving the plot forward or even funny jokes to divert us it's just like what if this happened now what if someone went here and then opened this door and then went over here and opened that door that's all that's going on it's bad yeah So how they, far away are we from the sauna? <laughs> because that's basically we're, we're the only. Close. Okay, we're getting close. Um, what happens next is that the the gang are down in the in the ice cave, and they find inexplicably a secret room in the ice cave uh, that's full of explosives and excavating equipment. Um, that's a clue right there. 
uh, I don't know if you caught that. Um, I didn't. I really, I actually didn't. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I understand. I, I wouldn't, I would check out whenever it cuts to those three as well. Cause it's not very interesting, unfortunately, cause I generally like them in most other things. But then we got to the ski lift, Shaggy and Scooby and, Sh- and Scrappy oh, yeah. are all on the thing, and, and Jeremiah Pratt tries to kill them. Uh, he's, like, shaking the cord. So they fall into snow, and they come out as big old icicles, you know? Just, like, walking ice cubes, which is a funny image. Yeah. I guess. <laughs> I mean, it builds um, to, I'd say, the only funny image of the entire episode which is yes, them. Yes, we cut to yes. them in a sauna. Yes, we, them still as ice cubes in a sauna animated so that there's a layer of steam drawn over what appears to be out of focus, which I yeah. think is a fun visual conceit. Yes, yes. And weirdly, like, doesn't seem like it would save them that much on animation, so it really is just like they had an idea for how to make this happen. But what but again this is a like a sequence that should be a a a longer funnier bit but but it's literally like 10 seconds like they cut to them in the sauna with the ice cubes and then all of a sudden pratt's in the sauna and shaggy like confuses him for another like guest and even if it was like five seconds longer and they had one other joke in there it would be good but it's not it just is like truly the definition of like half-assing it it's crazy it's so nothing this whole thing is so lazy um yeah it's contemptible honestly it's just like it shows a level of just disdain for your audience that you believe that they will just eat up something this half-assed but i do like the visual style of the song yes yes that's that's the one idea they had here that they like executed semi-fully. So yeah, then the game, the boys run out of the sauna and they collide with a bunch of skis. Um, we don't even see that happen. It just happens off screen and, and like the frame just sort of shakes. And then um, Scrappy's like, I'm going to go get him. Don't worry about me. I got him. Um, I'm going to make him splat. And then he goes into the sun and he's carrying out, uh, what's his name? Reed, Noah Reed. He's got him now. And this is maybe a red herring. Maybe he just caught the actual ghost. Who knows? Who can say? Um, then Velma in her, in her terrible line delivery, line delivery is like, look, I, I found something over here. Uh, she found a ski that says WHP on it, and she's figured it all out, and now she's got a plan. Um, I will say, I think that this last bit is close to an idea. It's close to one. Where Velma's hanging out at the ski lodge with the three suspects, they're all just hanging out, drinking hot cocoa. And then there's an avalanche, and Velma goes to the window, and she's like, wait a minute, I think I can see... A covered wagon out there and uh will henry is like maybe that's the the wagon of uh Je- jeremiah pratt it's been uncovered 
let's all go take a look. No, Velma's going to go take a look. And then we cut to the actual wagon, which is Shaggy and Scooby are standing in a crevasse holding like at the top of the covered wagon up over their head, like shaking. I think that this is fun because they did actually come up with a plan, you know, like they have a trap idea set. It's fun. If this came at the end of something that like I enjoyed at all, I'd probably like it. But by this point, I was so beaten down by how bad this yeah. was that I just I just watched it and just blankly. It's like, okay, this is what they're doing now. All right. <laughs> it's it is funny that they that they like the boys who are holding this and then Fred and Daphne are are perched above them holding a net like like they're just like clinging to these branches in this tree it's a funny bit and then we get a great we get the 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 shining moment of scrappy in the episode where the ghost jeremiah pratt shows up to retake what is rightfully his finds out it's a mistake and then scrappy's like i got you don't you worry about a thing i got him everyone puppy power and he knocks pratt out of the way when daphne and fred drop the net. What an idiot. What an asshole. James Gunn should have been meaner to him, honestly. <laughs> James Gunn just watched this episode. And, like just literally just this one. No other Scrappy Doo stuff. And was like, I got I have to rectify. <laughs> I have to to <laughs> make make this right. Um then there's a real avalanche, which is carrying down the real wagon of Jeremiah Pratt. So the whole gang hops in the wagon with the ghost, and they are carried down to the mountain until the the uh, ghost ends up in some sort of an ice bank and is frozen solid. So then we... Unmask him. End of the episode. We're here. We did it. Uh, we unmask him. Um, it is, in fact, Will Henry, who the gang suspect is actually William Henry Pratt, which they got from the initials on the monogrammed skis in the ski lodge. It doesn't actually matter that he is related to Jeremiah Pratt at all. Like, it has actually no bearing on his plan whatsoever. Um, but it is... That, that, that's just a thrown-in detail, I guess. Um, Pratt's like, I wanted to get uh, the... What was rightfully ours, you know? Um, and then they Velma reveals that eagles in the diary entry in fact um, refers to the fact that at the time they referred to ten dollar gold pieces as eagles um which again this is just a cheap thing because we like if you're not going to let us figure that out on our own then that doesn't work as a clue and uh fuck you <laughs> that's like i don't like it no. bad uh bad stuff and then, um, yeah, he was using the explosives to make avalanches so that he could then um, uncover wherever this was. 
can scare people away. And then there's this really bizarre bit where he says, you know, I just wonder what's rightfully my family's, you know, my inheritance, whatever. And then Velma the narc over here is like, <laughs> sorry, but this is a government shipment, which means this rightfully belongs to Uncle Sam. <laughs> really weird line from her. Yeah, this is a hundred years old. What does the government need from it now? Yeah, it's lost gold. It's this is finders keepers. It's it's a national treasure. This is national treasure right here. Come on, would she would she narc on on um, Nicholas Cage? You know, on what's his name in that? Ben Gates? No, it's is it John Henry Gates or is it something? No, maybe it is Ben Gates. Ben Gates. It's Gates, right? Yes, it is definitely Gates. But I don't think we should be talking about National Treasure because that just makes me wish I'd been watching this rather than this episode. The National Treasure is so good, dude. Yes, it is. Those it, movies are so fun. The first one especially is really yeah. special. Narrator, did you know that um, that Mount Rushmore was a cover-up? And did you know that water makes the rocks darker? <laughs> wow, what a movie. Remember remember um, John Voight? Remember Christopher yes. Plummer just oh, just setting the stakes man. for the whole movie, making you believe it's nonsense in one scene. That's what a good actor does. Yeah, those are some those are some good movies for sure. This is not it ends with an inexplicable bit where, where Scooby and Scrappy are going skiing and then they have a parachute. Yeah, God. And that's the whole thing. And that's the end. Yep. Thank God. Scooby Dooby Doo and Scrappy Doo too. All right. Uh, <laughs> I know you're itching to, to rank this on our tier list narrator, but before we do that, yeah, before we give our, our final thoughts on this one, we get to to play one last game. This game is called Jinkies or Stinkies. And the way this game works is that each week I collect a series of stories or facts related to a topic in the episode, some of which will be true, which are Jinkies, and some of which will be fake, which are Stinkies. And the topic of this episode is Mountain Men of the American Frontier. Ooh. Right. Major John Wesley Powell lost his right arm in the Civil War, but refused to let his new circumstances stop him from living a life of adventure on the frontier. He became the first white man to traverse the Grand Canyon by boat, along with a few other members of his crew. He strapped a wooden chair to a wooden boat, got nine men to join, and set out floating. They lost most of their supplies on the Green River before even making it to the Colorado. It was long, arduous work, as they frequently had to portage the canoe through difficult terrain. Eventually, three of the men decided to abandon the group and hike out of the canyon on foot, only to be killed by a tribe of Shivwit Indians. The rest of the crew, including Powell, floated out of the canyon safely two days later. He went on to found the U.S. Geological Society. Is this a jinky or stinky? I will say jinkies. It is a jinky. Okay. They were the first to ford the Grand Canyon. 
I guess more of canyon men than mountain men, but you know, what are you going to do? I'm not going to split hairs. I wouldn't do such a thing. Thank you. Joseph Walker was a Tennessee-born fur trader with an insatiable wanderlust. He led an expedition of men to bushwhack their way from Wyoming to California. Earthquakes and conflicts with American Indians were only some of the hazards they encountered along the way. It took them three weeks to traverse the Sierra Nevada mountains, but Walker insisted they keep going instead of turning back, resorting to killing and eating their horses to survive. In the Nevada desert, several of their stock died from heat and thirst. The frontiermen had no choice but to drink the dead animal blood to survive. But some would say it was all worth it, as they were the first white men to see Yosemite Valley. Walker went on to lead a robust career as a guide for hundreds of soldiers and pilgrims through the wilderness, and it is said that only one man ever died under his command. Hmm. Is that a jinky or stinky? Hmm. I mean, I want to say that it has too much detail to be a stinky, but I know that one thing is going to come along eventually that's the same, so... I'll just say jinky. I'll just get it. I'll just say that. This is also a jinky. Okay. You're doing great. Okay. All You're right. doing great. Captain George Vancouver was the first white man to see Mount Rainier in 1792. But Thomas Baker was the first white man to summit it. Or at least he attempted to be. As his 1804 expedition only made it a little under a quarter of the way. A British sailor by occupation, he was not a mountain climber, having never done any sort of mountaineering in his life. In fact, according to his journal, the highest point he had ever scaled was a slightly tall hill on the Puget Sound. He took with him some rope, a climbing stick, and a horse. After a few hours of climbing, he had to leave the horse behind, traveling by foot for the rest of the way, only to slip and fall, breaking both of his legs. According to his journal, he survived for three days, subsisting only off melting snow, before dying alone on the mountain. Years later, a scouting party found his skeleton in his journal, which he had stashed in a rock crevice near his final resting place, about 3,000 miles up the 14,000-mile mountain. I will... Uh, I will say that... Or, sorry, not miles. I will say... Okay. F- <laughs> my mistake. Feet. <laughs> 3,000 okay. 3, feet out of the 14,000-foot mountain, not uh, miles. I will say that this is a stinky. This is a stinky. I did make this, this very silly story up. Um, <sighs> okay, here we go. You're doing great. You're halfway through, 100%. Okay. Killing it. John Coulter traveled with the Lewis and Clark Discovery Corps, but on the way back from the Pacific Ocean, he decided to ditch the group and start a new life on his own in the wilderness. He became a famous fur trapper and may have been the first white man to see Yellowstone. In 1809, he was captured by a band of Blackfeet in Montana. They killed his partner and stripped him naked, giving him a head start into the wilderness before they hunted after him. Coulter ran through cactus and rocks, evading most of his pursuers, before finally disarming one and killing him with his own lance. He then trekked over 200 miles, clad in only a blanket, before before finally arriving at a fort he helped build. Is that a jinky or a stinky? Hmm. I will say a jinky. This is also a jinky. You're doing great. Okay, all right. 
John Wall was not the first white man to discover anything. In fact, he wasn't white at all. Born under slavery, Wall was freed after the Civil War, where he traveled with a group of Baptists to southern Pennsylvania. From there, he retreated into the Appalachian Mountains, where he lived alone for 20 years. Little is known of his life during this time, as he was only ever seen by a few trappers and tradesmen. He returned from isolation with ten disciples in tow. No one knows how he came to meet these people, nor who they were, as they had all adopted new names after books of the Bible. The group founded Walltown, a small settlement along the Susquehanna River. Among other rules, residents of Walltown were not allowed to wear shoes, and spent, se- and spent 12 hours a day reciting passages from the Bible. They are considered the first cult in American history. Present-day Walltown is a suburb of Harrisburg and is one of the most affluent areas in Pennsylvania. Hmm. This is hmm. this is a good enough story that I want to believe that it's a jinky, so I'll say that. This is a stinky. I okay. made that one up. Okay. You did a good job. Okay. I'll give you that. Thank uh, you. Thank you. I did make that one up. Okay, last one. Um, really great track record so far. The image of the rugged mountain man is a popular part of American folklore, but there were many women that also braved the untamed frontier. Marie Dorian was a member of the Iowa tribe, and some historians believe may have been friends with Sacagawea. She was, one of, she was the only female member of a fur trade expedition to the Pacific, which she managed pregnant, with two boys in tow, aged four and two. She gave birth along the way and lost the baby, but her other children survived the entire journey. In fact, she and her boys were the only members of the party to survive an attack from members of the Bannock tribe. Traveling alone, Dorian and her boys got lost and had to survive for 50 days in the winter, subsisting off the meat of her dead horse and mice she killed with snares. Eventually, they made it to a Walla Walla village where they were given assistance and made it to Fort Astoria in Oregon, their initial destination. Is this a jinky or sneaky? Mm, I will say that it is a stinky this is a jinky. God, it's a true story. It. Um, I was going to say jinky, but I, I second-guessed myself. Okay. Really cool lady. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah. make a movie about her, why don't you? Yeah. Maybe they have, and I just haven't seen it. I don't know. Um, but that was Jinkies or Stinkies. Great job, narrator. Thank you. Um, but that leaves us with the ranking portion of our show. So we've got five tiers here. Um, starting from the top is the Golden Scoob tier. That's the absolute best of the best. Probably not where we're going to put this one, if I were to guess. Then we have the Groovy tier. That's for episodes that we like a lot. Uh, You know, just really fun, good stuff. Then at the middle of the road is the Just Another Mystery tier. This is for episodes that are, you know, don't do anything special, but... I guess you could see yourself watching it again. You know, it's not so bad in the grand scheme of things. Um, then we have the Scooby Dumb tier. It's for episodes that are dumb, they're bad, they have a lot of problems, but they aren't necessarily the absolute worst of the worst, which would be the very bottom, the Rut Row tier. So what are we thinking for Rocky Mountain? Yay! I mean... 
I feel like I don't want to damn this by saying it's the worst of the worst because I'm right. I'm not familiar with the larger Scooby Doo oeuvre enough right. to make that call, but it is definitely at least Scooby Dumb tier because it is bad. Yeah, I would and I, I would refuse to give it any higher. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's just it's nothing. It's just you didn't try. So, you know, we're not giving you anything. You don't think that this episode tried, narrator? You don't think that they put their very best work into this one? If somebody's soul was put into this episode, then their soul is fucked up. <laughs> yeah, I think Scooby Dome is the perfect place for this. This is just not good stuff. It's it it is it makes 20 minutes feel like an hour. It's it it's like has like basically no funny bits in it uh, maybe a few you know but like it it just it, the animation is so cheap the voice acting is terrible and the plot is, sucks yeah um so it just is not good um i'll give a props for an original villain even if he is kind of lame um yeah, but uh and they have the whole sauna idea which is really you know we're getting a lot of mileage into that i guess um but yeah that's that's what we got to say for for this one that's where it shall lay well that's it we did it we did the whole thing um okay. narrator thank you so much for joining me i'm sorry that the odds gave us a bad episode this time um really just <laughs> a, a a nothing episode more than anything but um yeah, that's 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 what's fun. That's what's fun about the luck of the draw. You know, that's what's, what's. You never know what you could get. Um, yeah, I don't want to just. Know that. Yeah, I don't want to just do like good episodes here. You know, I want to get a good mix. I want to get the whole Scooby Doo experience, which I have not gotten up to this point. Yes, yeah, so this is definitely some good introduction to the character of Scrappy Doo. Um, yeah. For better or worse, certainly. <laughs> um, you know, worse. It, 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 <laughs> much worse. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. You're when you're right. You're right. Um, yeah, I, I, I will say I'm glad that you that we ended up with this one because who knows when it would have gotten covered? Because I don't think anybody's really passionate about this. I think that we're we've definitely we've definitely talked the longest about this episode of television than i think anyone on the planet ever has including the people who wrote it um uh i took notes watching this episode i felt like an idiot <laughs> I, was like, I came home from a long day at work and put on scooby and scrappy do and got out a notebook and pen to take notes i was like this is ridiculous what am i doing and there's nothing in this to take notes on at all but i did manage to at least fill up a page of notes <laughs> um, and uh yeah, I just I thank you for being willing to spend your time with me discussing this. Oh, it um, was it's my pleasure. It was it was a lot of fun. Do you have Oh, thank you. Thank you. Uh do you have anything that you would like to plug for the people? Uh just my Twitter which is at L Sotoberigo as it always has been. And I suppose if you also want to follow me on Letterboxd's, uh, I suppose, cousin website, Serialized, Ooh. 
you can do that. I mention this only because I did log this episode on there. Good. So just did you give it a review? I did. I, well, I, you're I probably the. First person to do that. <laughs> I mean, I would be the first person for most episodes on Serialized to log a review, but this one especially. I don't think anybody else is going to, at least anytime <laughs> no. soon. No. Not, not, not many people are going through and doing their Scrappy-Doo rewatch. Uh, you know, no challenges or anything like that. Um, but they should. You know, get some, get some Scrappy-Doo in your life, people. It'll, it'll change things for you. I mean, I you know, you, you, I don't think you should make fun of Scrappy Doo unless you've seen this. Like, at least, or had ex- first-hand experience with him, because you know, you hear about Scrappy Doo, you hear about like Cousin Oliver on the Brady Bunch, like, oh wow, you know, they suck yeah. so bad. But you don't know that until you see them. Yeah, you got to form your own opinions, and um, this is a great way to do that. <laughs> um, if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can do so at the Real Brundine. You can follow the show at Heavy Metal Pod also on Twitter. Um, if you liked this episode, tell your friends to listen to Heavy Metal. It is a weekly show. Um, the guest chair changes each week, but I'm always here as your host. Um, and each week we could cover any uh, any episode from anywhere in the series. Um, in April, we're going to be having a theme month uh, of each week is going to be a different vampire episode um, from anywhere in the series. Going to get a bunch of fun guests for that, and that's going to be Vampiral? Vampiral sounds better than Vampiral, right, narrator? Yes, I would agree. Vampiral. Vampiral is what it's going to be called. So, so keep an eye out for that. Keep an ear out for that. And um, thank you for listening. And one more thank you to William Taylor, a.k.a. The Narrator, for joining me. And as always, to all you meddling kids out there, remember to stay groovy. Ooh, <laughs>